standing youth, you can be dismissed. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First time some of those sixth graders going into youth, quite a jump. Hopefully the older high schoolers will be gracious and welcome them in with open arms. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are currently doing a series on the Holy Spirit, going through the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Typically, we go through a book of the Bible. We went from Acts all the way through the book of Revelation, and we're getting ready to go into the Gospels, uh, but, but we've taken this little detour uh, in the in the in the whole learning about the Holy Spirit and all about Him and His gifts and His empowering, um, you can always get caught up on our website. Um, it's ccmantica.com, so you can go and get caught up from the beginning. Just scroll down, and uh, you can start from the very beginning and get caught up to today. So let's start in First Corinthians twelve. We have a couple passages to read. Uh, let's look at verse twenty-eight. Paul writing by the Holy Spirit to the church of Corinth. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. I want to focus on helps and and administrations. Now, you can hold your place there if you want or not. Just turn to the left, one book, to Romans chapter 12. So you didn't even need your Pharisee tab, you know, on your edge of your Bible for that. You could just, I helped you out. Just one book back, Romans chapter 12. And let's begin reading in verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, that's for sure. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We're we're members of one another. We belong to each other. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So all these gifts, we have, God gives a different grace for each person with each distinct gift. Each gift has a corresponding amount of grace with it. Let us use them. That's a word maybe to someone today. You're not using your gifts. He says, let us, you know, it's not optional. He says, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, and that's one of the ones we're going to look at today, the gift of ministry. Let us use it in our ministering, talking about our faith. He who teaches... That's the fourth one that we're going to look at today in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And we'll deal with verse 8, Lord willing, next week. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that you're good and all your gifts are exactly what we need. And so we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us regarding our own gifts that we know we already have or maybe some ones that we have no idea that we have or that we will discover in the future, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to value those and to use them and to get our eyes off ourselves and onto others and, of course, onto you. So I pray, Lord, that today's passages and these words and the definitions and the function of these gifts and all these things would be used for your glory 
to make your church function in the way that it's supposed to function, biblically, decently, and in order, and in building others up. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So we've covered the gift of tongues. We've looked at the gift of interpretation of tongues, the gift of the word of knowledge and the, and the word of wisdom. We've looked at gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, faith, and discerning of spirits. All of that's on our website. If you want to get caught up, you've missed any of those, what those are, what they look like, biblical examples, how do you know if you have them, uh, and, what the, and what price the body of Christ pays if you don't use them. It's very important. God really wanted me to emphasize that in this series of talking about the gifts. What price the body of Christ pays, and it's a high price, when his people do not use the gifts that they've been given because they've been given for the rest of the body of Christ to be the disciple-making place he's called it to be. So today we're going to look at the gifts of helps, administration, ministry, and teaching. And so far we've kind of looked at gifts that appear and I stress the word appear, more supernatural than the rest of the gifts that we've um, you know, looked at so far. And that would be a mistake to say they are more supernatural because they seem more insupernatural to us, like miracles and tongues and interpretation of tongues. I need interpretation of tongues just to say interpretation of tongues. You know, prophecy and miracles and gifts of healings and words of wisdom and all of that. But all the gifts are equally supernatural. And when we get into some of these practical gifts, the temptation is going to be that these things are not supernatural. Because I don't feel like they're supernatural when I walk in them. But you have to remember, it's not about what we feel. It's about what God does through our lives. And he, they're also supernatural in the sense of being led by the Lord to use them at specific times. So even the ones that we would say are more practical ones, uh, we have to be equally led and prompted by the Spirit to use them. So what I'm saying is we need to be just as led and, and, and prompted by the Holy Spirit with the gift of helps as you would be with the gift of miracles or the interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, we see the Apostle Paul talk about this gift of helps. What is the gift of helps? Well... You help. It's not rocket science. It's not complicated. You help. You help others. Again, all these gifts are for the benefit of others. Gail Irwin, the great teacher, he has bumper stickers you can get from his ministry. And all it says, I think Tim has one on the back of his truck or trucks or whatever he has. Uh, it says others. That's all it says. Others, You can get it from Gil Irwin's ministry. So you're driving down the road and you, you see a big truck that's supposed to be a fire truck, but it's not. It's a roofing truck. On the back, it says others. I think maybe his says serve, serve others. You put them together. But some of them, just others. Just to get people to think others. It's not about you. It's about other people. And so we think, well... Doesn't the Bible say God helps those who help themselves? No? Oh, this is a biblical church. I forgot. You guys actually read your Bible. And you guys actually have your Bibles open. And you're actually waiting to hear something from God's Word. How many of you, after you've gotten used to being around churches like Calvary Chapel, and you visit other churches, you're just, you're, you're just like, come on! 
Give me the Bible. Ah, I'm like a little baby chick. Ah, you know, feed me the word. You know, we get spoiled. You guys know that that's not biblical. It's right up there with cleanliness is next to godliness. There's another one. Not biblical. It's not there. It's not in the original pig Latin. You won't find it anywhere. There isn't pig Latin, by the way. There's, it's not a biblical language, just for you to know that. Okay, some of you are newer to the... But anyway. I believe the gift of helps is supernaturally being able to help people with, with skilled label, labor. Not to quote Napoleon Dynamite, but you have skills. You know? You have skilled labor. Why was there a moan in the back? That wasn't right. That wasn't... I didn't earn a moan. You could have just not laughed... But you have skills. Now, some people think that the gift of helps and the gift of ministry are basically the same gift, and they lump them together. But I don't personally. You may, but I don't. Um, At least from my experience, I've seen a difference between skilled labor and unskilled labor. I would fall into the category of unskilled labor. Ask any of the leaders. Like, just adjust your sprinklers. I don't know how to adjust my sprinkler. Just adjust the timer. Really, Really, just turn it over here and do it. No, I can't do it. I can't. I'm not kidding you. I really can't do it. So we know what skilled labor is, and we know what skilled labor is. And so the gift of helps is very, very powerful. Um, And I know that Paul could have used the same word to describe the gift of helps and the gift of ministry, but he doesn't do it. So I believe this gift of helps is a supernatural desire to help people with your skills. Now think of Luke the physician. In the book of Acts, he had skills. He, he, he was skilled. He was a physician. And he accompanied Paul on some of his missionary journeys, not only just to serve him with whatever needs he has, but he also could help him from the physical standpoint as well, because Paul, he was persecuted so much, he needed to have a doctor around him all the time. Couldn't just take him to the emergency room. <laughs> He needed to have his own personal physician, and God worked it out because uh, Luke got saved probably through his ministry, and he just said, you know what? I feel called to serve that man, and I'm going to serve him with everything that I have, everything that I've learned about about medicine. I'm going to help him on his missionary journeys. Think of the men who constructed the tabernacle or the temple. I mean, God lays it out, their skill that they had skilled men, skilled men and women that could put things together, that could construct things and so forth. That is a good example. Some people would put uh, the people who serve on the worship team in this category. And I, I don't. I mean, there may be some crossover because obviously there's skill involved with that. But I, I would lean more heavily on that the people on a worship team are, have the gift of exhortation because they are stirring the body up and encouraging them to worship. And, and encouraging them to, to obey God's word who says that we should worship him in spirit and in truth. And he's looking for that. But there could be crossover, obviously, poss- uh, that could be very likely. It could be fixing a car. That's one thing I couldn't do. If I were stranded somewhere and I, the car broke down, pfft, I might as well be looking at a rocket, you know, getting that thing going again. It could be uh, fixing someone's plumbing at their house or Maybe someone's serving in the sound ministry, the media ministry. Or maybe you can fix computers and someone has a virus, you know, in their, in, in their uh, computer. Or the computer here that we use to run the slides up here. And you're willing to help. You're willing. It's, it's kind of like that. It's, it's skilled things. And it's also helping others do their ministry better. 
coming alongside someone and helping them do their ministry better or, or more effective or, or in some way to where it bears more fruit. That's the gift of helps. I believe there are a lot of spouses that have this gift that actually have a capacity to help their spouses in their ministry more than normal because they have the gift of helps. Every time you look at someone that's been greatly used by the Lord, there's always a godly spouse behind them that's highly, highly gifted. And, and I think that's, that's the case many, many, many times. I'm not saying I'm highly, highly gifted, but I know my wife has a supernatural ability to help me. And it's a beautiful thing. And so that's important. So how do you know if you have the gift? You got skills. But it's not just skills. It's, it's more than that. Remember, all of these gifts start from the heart. It starts with a heart to help. You know, you may say, you know, I could never see myself up in front, you know, teaching something. And, you know, if you ever asked, to come, have ever asked me to come up and, uh, we, you know, we've asked some of you to come forward and be part of the scripture reading time. And you're like, no, 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 anything but that. No. And that's fine. That, that, that's, that doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it, by the way. You know, but that's between you and the Lord. He can lean on your heart and show you. It could very well mean that you're not supposed to, to do that. But... Someone may say, I can't do that, but I could swing a hammer. You know, I can stack chairs. I can put things away. I can make it everything clean and a blessing for God's people when they, they, they come to worship. I can, you know, help someone with the air pressure in their tire. You know, I mean, there's just so many things that, that need to be done. And the gift of helps is so important. You have a heart for people. And when you see needs not being met, it bothers you. And you want to meet needs all the time. But it bothers you that needs go unmet. And you're saying, why aren't more people helping people? And you can find yourself constantly running out of time. Like you just run out of day for all the things you want to do to help people. You uh, could very well have uh, the gift of helps. So how does the body of Christ suffer if you don't use your gift? Well, don't get helped. These things that maybe you could take care of this person is trying to do those things, and they, they're not gifted for it. And they're wasting their time or, or you know, spending time doing that when they should be doing other things using their gifts or focusing on other things that, that's going to expand their ministry or, or help them in their ministry. They're frustrated trying to get something practical done that they have no skills with that you could come in and fix. And I found out there's a family today who's not here because of car problems. So if we would have known that, then we could have helped with that because there are people here that know how to fix cars again i'm not one of them I'm not one of those people but we do so we have to know the needs that's part of the vision of the city because and we're going to have a more of a thorough training on the city but with the city you can list a need that you have and then the rest of the church that's what the whole design of it is for is to say i have a need and the rest of the body sees this need, and then they just meet it and bypass the leadership trying to think about, okay, who could meet this need? Who could not meet this need? Who's the person that I could call? And it sidesteps all of that, and then you guys just start helping each other. That's the main purpose of why we have the city. So we'll be having uh, a training on that in probably the end of uh, this month um, for us to get fully acclimated and so forth. It's not a perfect program. I understand that. But it's, it's set up for churches, and it works when everybody is, takes the time to learn it and uses it. You'll start to see how God organizes ministry just with that platform, and it'll be a blessing. 
The last one um, we need to cover here in 1 Corinthians is, is the gift of administration. So what is that gift? What is the gift of administrations? I believe it's the supernatural ability to organize ministry so that ministry functions well. One of my mentors famously has said repeatedly that he doesn't like sloppy ministry. And that's true. Because sloppy ministry is unnecessary. It's just as easy to do ministry well and think things through as it is to, to not do that. And so we try to think ahead. We don't always do a good job. You know, we're a few leaders among, you know, all of you, you outnumber us. There's a lot of things going on. We want to do things well. We want to have everything done the right way, but we don't always, we're not always able to, to do that. We're growing, and we know you'll be gracious with us and so forth. But some people think that the only way that we can tell if the Spirit is in control, this is other parts of the body of Christ, is if things are chaotic and disorganized. The more out of control things are, the more spirit, the Spirit has his way. Back in the day, they would have a runaway service where the spirit just got so out of control with all the gifts and everything that there was just a compliment. The, the preacher didn't have a chance to preach, you know. And how many of you have been a part of some of those circles? A few? But God is a God of decency and an order. And we've already read that in 1 Corinthians 14, that he, that he does things decently and in order. He is not a God of confusion. Think of creation. Think of how he created certain things on certain days, and then on the seventh day he rested. Think of the order of the animals going into the ark, two by two, most of them, and then separated by clean and unclean animals. There's a whole way that that happened. There was a whole way that, that God progressed that scene on and on until its uh, consummation. Think of the giving of the Ten Commandments. Yes, five commandments on one, five commandments on the other. It was very orderly. Everything about when they were wandering in the wilderness was ordering, was order, ordered. So when you broke ranks, because the, the tabernacle was in the center, and if you look at how it was all laid out, all the different tribes and all the, you know, the thousands upon thousands that were there, it was in the shape of a cross. And they were told specifically by family to break rank at a certain time, and it was all done orderly. The building of the temple, everything was thought through. It was done orderly. Again, how they broke camp. The Lord Jesus in his public ministry. Think about how everything was organized. How did the disciples prepare the Passover meal and did appropriate preparations? That took organization. He fed the 5,000. He told them to sit, told them to sit, have them sit in groups of 50. It's very organized. And he had them gather up the, 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 the remaining and use those things. And, and take advantage of those things. But even in his resurrection, when they looked in the tomb, they saw the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths. And it was folded together in a place by itself. You can't say that God is chaotic and out of order. He's very much in order. But we can use that as a way, a mechanism to not let him move among us. And we can say, oh, decency and order, brother, nothing unpredictable. That's not what he's saying. He's very unpredictable, but when, what he, when he moves when we're in a way where we're not used to it or out of our you know, order of events or order of service, whatever he does is going to be decently done, and it's going to be in order. That's, that's the difference. So if you have the gift of administration, you're able to organize ministry. So it's this supernatural ability 
to um, organize ministry and, and, and put things together, see the big picture, think ahead to see how certain things affect other things, and to arrange it in such a way where it all blends together in perfect unity. And when that's done, we can go too far with that, we know that, but when that's done the right way, the sheep get blessed, the people get built up, things run smoothly, things run the way they're supposed to run. So if you have this gift, you don't like inefficient or disorderly things, you notice when things aren't done well, you know, and, and this can lead to having a critical spirit and a critical heart that you have to keep in check. You can have a gracious heart and still notice when things aren't done right. Before you tell someone that they, there's something wrong, maybe you should tell them a few things they've done right first. I've learned that the hard way with raising children. <laughs> Can't always mention the negative things. But the first step to fixing things is noticing them. And the first step to organizing things is recognizing what the end product should look like, or what the goal is. And, and people with this along, and they usually have the gift of leading, we'll get into that later, but they have the ability to know this is what it looks like, and these are the little steps, incremental steps, to getting there. And that is so critically important. Pa- senior pastors usually don't have a big, strong administrative gift. They have the vision, they have the overall goal, but they need the administrators, they need the people that organize them, they need people to tell them, hey, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, uh, that's that's, that's going to affect this, this, and this. Did you think? And, of course, they need to say it lovingly and graciously and respectfully, but did you notice that you planning that is going to affect these four things? Oh, no, I didn't think about that. I would think about that. Okay, let's think, you know, I'm thankful for that. Any pastor is going to be very wise to put administrators on the board of directors in leadership because they're going to be able to see how everything affects things. And if you have that gift, it bothers you when things aren't done well because you know it, 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 it uh, affects people. The bottom line is when things are disorganized and not functioning right, people get hurt or people don't have God's best uh, uh, involved in their lives. And, and that's something that uh, we all are growing in, any, any of us that have that gift. So as ministries grow, they need someone to organize them. Look at in Acts chapter 6, the, the apostles were doing, handing out the distribution of the daily uh, uh, bread to the widows, and, it, and the, the scope of the ministry grew outside of their ability. So God gave them a word of wisdom to appoint these men to, to, to take over that, and to, so they can direct, direct themselves solely to uh, the ministry of the word and prayer. And they're very wise to do that. But they needed somebody that could organize it and do things well. If you have the gift of administration, you don't, details don't bother you. You don't mind getting into the details of things. Because you, you know that those details make a difference. The, the cumulative or the aggregate of all those details together, the overall finished product makes a big difference. And so they all, all the dots need to be connected. What's the cost of, of you if you have this gift not walking in it? The ministry suffers. It doesn't function as efficiently as it's supposed to, which affects people, which affects disciple making, and things aren't done well. The Lord is represented in a way where he shouldn't be because any, Jesus is anything but disorganized. He's anything but um, someone that's going by the seat of his pants or, you know, like he doesn't think things through. He thinks everything through. So that's a very, very, very valuable gift. The next gift is the gift of ministry. We see it in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 7. 
So what is the gift of ministry? First, let's look at the word ministry. What does the word ministry mean? Well, ministry, well, let's look at minister. Minister means servant. In our culture, we've turned that into some big, fancy CEO thing. Oh, you're the, I mean, I've been at, I've been at, uh, I've officiated at funerals, and oh, you're the head minister. And they're like, treating me different. Like, well, that just means servant. So, you know, I'm the head servant. Yeah, that's how I, that, and Pastor Chuck, man, especially in class, he would pound that. <laughs> you know, fellas, you're servants. You're not high up CEOs, you know. And, and we would like, okay, all right, Pastor Chuck, we, we, we've heard that, but we know we need to hear it again. You know, it's like, don't get caught in your head, he would say. Don't, don't feel like you're something special. You're just a servant. So ministry means servant. So the gift of ministry is obviously the gift of serving. And I believe it's a supernatural heart and ability to serve beyond what all of us can do or would do. Because all of us are called to serve. In fact, most of these gifts were called all of us. And there's gift of giving, mercy, exhortation, uh, teaching, um, and go on all down the list. All of us are supposed to do these things in some capacity. And, but whatever gift you have, the downside is you usually are tempted to criticize the rest of the body of Christ for not doing it enough. Just know that about whatever gift you have. So the gift of ministry is, is, goes beyond just how an, a, a, a Christian typically serves. We're all called to serve, but this gift is like, that's all, they, that's their whole life is completely given over to it. That's all they want to do. They can't find people, enough people <laughs> to serve. It's just a whole nother level. They notice needs before they happen. They anticipate needs. They think, oh, this person's going to be going into surgery, so we're probably going to need to do meals, and so I need to get on the phone and start arranging that. They don't wait for people to give them permission a lot of times to do stuff. They just get in there and do it. They're anticipating needs. As, a, as an assistant pastor for five years, I learned by watching other assistant pastors, I wasn't sat down and taught this, but I learned from them that I need to be thinking every, all, when I'm around my senior pastor, when I'm around ministry, when I'm around people's needs, I need to be thinking, paying attention, and, and trying to anticipate needs. And try to, you know, I'd drive down to the pastor's conference with Pastor Damien and be try to think of what he would need, what he would like. You know, what, do you want to stop now? Do you not want to stop now? Do, should we get gas? You know, all these things, just trying to serve him in any way that I possibly could. And it's a blessing because service is a blessing. That's what some of us haven't discovered, the supernatural blessing of serving. And once you catch that, it's amazing what happens. You just start, well, all you want to do is serve. But, but the person with this gift, they just love to serve. So they, they don't have any special gifts, so to speak, and the, I mean, talents or whatever, but they just meet needs, meet needs, meet needs all the time. It's beautiful. The reason, one of the reasons why I personally don't believe that helps and ministry are the same gift is, is one has skills and, and one is more not skilled. There can be people with, with both, like probably I would say Tim Glass would count as one that has the gift of helps and the gift of ministry at the same time, but that's not typical. Um, and the, one of the reasons why he has these separated out is because some of us haven't been given these skills, but we have a heart to serve. 
And, and a lot of times, the gift of helps takes time to walk in that gift. What I mean by that is that you're doing one thing for someone, and because it's skill-related, it takes you a while to do it. So by the time a person with the gift of helps overhauls a transmission, the person with the gift of ministry has already brought groceries for two families, brought someone else to their doctor appointment, and babysat for a single mom. It just, you know, they don't want to be, they can't be slowed down for anything that takes longer. You know, they want to go, go, go. What's the next thing? What's the next need? What's the next way that I can bless someone's life? Because unskilled things sometimes get accomplished quicker and faster than things that require skill. And we know that the body of Christ has needs constantly all the, the time. How do you know if you have it? You just want to help people constantly. And again, just like when you have to be careful with this gift, because just like all the other gifts, you need to be led by the Lord. One of the things that I was taught a long time ago by very wise men, not the wise men, okay, not that long ago, but by very wise men, that need should not necessarily dictate ministry, but rather the Spirit's prompting. There will always be needs, but we can't meet all of them. So it's not that I'm called to meet every need. I'm supposed to pray for every need, for one. But, but that doesn't necessarily mean because there's a need that I'm the one that's supposed to fill that need. Now, some people use that to extreme and never do anything. You know, they, they just are scared to encourage you to step out and just see how the Lord uses you. It's so powerful. But you can't be, the way I look at it, I'm sorry for bringing in a, a cartoon to illustrate this, but you'll relate, most of you. Do you remember Scooby-Doo? Oh, oh. <laughs> Um, you know where he would go like five different directions connected by his tail? He'd go Dong! like that for anyone remember that? I know it wasn't just me. There's, yeah, there's the hands. There's hands out there, yeah. That's what, that's what it's like when you feel like you're having to serve based on all the needs that you see. You're just Dong! all different directions. And, and some of the most godly people that I know that are used by the Lord the most say no to a lot of things that they could do well. But God hasn't called them to those specific things, so they do the few things and they do them well, or the many things they're called to and they do them well instead of just serving out of the need that's there. So what we do here is we announce the need. We have need in the children's ministry big time. You know, Micaiah and his wife are supposed to be in the service on the first Sunday of the month, but they, they can't. And we should have a, man, we should have a waiting list for people discipling the next generation. But they're serving, and they're not complaining or whatever, but we have need there, so we announce it. But we're not going to go beyond that. Because some of you have been through hurt and pain in other churches who, that wasn't good enough. They had to come up and pressure you and twist your arm, and we don't, believe, we don't do that here. We trust the Holy Spirit can speak to his people. So we announce needs, and they may, may be very acute, but we're not going to be up here panicking, communicating panic, because that's not like the Lord. The Lord can speak to his people. The Lord, they can hear his spirit. So we just pray until the need is met. The price for the body of Christ to pay is that they don't get needs met and they're not served. Very important. Now, lastly, the gift of teaching. There can be a lack of teachers in the body of Christ. And I think that that is fairly typical. The writer of the book of Hebrews had to deal with that. In uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, we're told this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So he's saying there should be a lot more teachers there in that church. 
but you can't handle solid food anymore. Now you have to go back to milk. And some of you maybe have been around for a, while, a long time, and maybe God's calling you to do one of these gifts or, or function in one of these gifts or t- be a teacher or whatever, but you're holding yourself back because you're comfortable where you're at. And the thing is, God doesn't let us define how far we grow and how fast we grow. If we are taking our cross daily and following him, then we will progress as fast as he wants us to progress. He doesn't leave it up to us to say, oh, no, I'm good here. There's no I'm good here. <laughs> it's where I'm taking you each day. And that's if you want to be used by the Lord, you've got to be available and be ready to, to, to serve in any way that he calls us to serve. The gift of teaching is a supernatural ability to help believers understand and apply the word of God. Breaking it down, explaining it, exhorting with it, encouraging with it, gracefully explaining the cost of disobeying it. When I taught the preaching class at the School of Ministry at Calvary Chapel Modesto, I would encourage them to put a, what I would call the cost of disobedience at the end. In other words, if you don't obey what this word says, what are the implications of that? And then I told them after that to give hope. Instead of just leaving people, you know, convicted, just a big pile of conviction there, you know, but give them hope and encouragement that God, you can do what God's calling you to do. He has all the grace and the power available, but part of teaching is, 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 is breaking it down, explaining it, exhorting it, people, encouraging people, and then giving them that cost if they don't obey it. And this isn't necessarily a leadership gift. There are teachers in the body of Christ that are not pastor teachers. If you're a pastor, then you're a teacher. They go together. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. But that is just because you're a teacher doesn't mean you're a pastor. There's many needs for teachers in the body of Christ. And I believe there's a shortage, like I said, all over the place in our church and other churches, children. There should be a waiting list for children teaching them. But other classes can be taught. Maybe you have another idea in your heart. Hey, I want to teach this subject. Don't think because we don't have it doesn't mean that we don't want it. We could very well say, yeah, we've been praying for this class kind of class to be taught. Don't underestimate that or don't mis- misunderstand. Sometimes we pray for years for things before God manifests the person that's supposed to oversee that. So we should see a lot more teachers. You know, the first time I taught, I've told it a couple times, but I was, I was shuddering. I was stuttering. I could barely talk. Was, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. You would never think of me as someone that could teach. I still may not think of me. No. But, you know, I mean, you would look at that and go, no way. That guy, that kid is never going to be a preacher. You would never, ever. But God's grace. You just step out in faith. He gives you a little bit more grace. You see his faithfulness. He starts developing your gift just like any gift. And before you know it, you're teaching before people. You know, I don't get nervous at all when I come up here. Zero. And it's just because, not because I'm trusting in myself, it's because God, I've seen God's faithfulness in me using the gift of teaching, exercising the gift of teaching for a long time. So that wasn't the case always, but he's faithful. Or the other application is, and I wanted to mention, is teaching one-on-one with people. Very important to sit someone down, disciple them. Maybe someone's newer in the faith. If you're older, especially, Titus 2 Verses 3 through 5 says, The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. That's a powerful ministry for older women. Now, I am not going to define who qualifies. 
Okay, you're going to have to qualify yourself for that. But whatever it means to be older, when God's called the older women to disciple the younger women and, and help them to know what it's like to be a mom, what's it, what it's like to prepare a meal, what it's like. A lot of young moms, they don't have, they've never been trained in any of these things, especially today they haven't been trained up in these things of how to cook and how to sew and how to all these things. And it's, and it's the older women that need to come and need to be teachers and also, of course, the word of God to be able to say, I was once your age, honey. <laughs> you know, and I was thinking this just like you are when I was young, just married, but this is the truth about your husband. This is the truth about, this is what God's word says about what your role is. Very, very important. But also discipling new believers, that's critically important too. So um, very needed in the body of Christ. How do you know that you have the gift of teaching? First of all, you have a supernatural love for the word of God. That is one of the biggest things that I see in people with the gift of teaching. They love the Word of God. You can't get them away from the Word of God. They're studying, they're studying, they're studying. That's why Calvary Chapel does not make a requirement that you have to go through certain schooling or you have to go to seminary or whatever to to, to be called to be a pastor. We recognize the calling because if you're truly called to be a pastor teacher... You're going to have a supernatural love for God's word, and you are going to study it apart from any formal training. And you may get formal training, which is great. We're starting the School of Pastoral Ministry in in September here. But it's not required. Many, many pastors have become pastors, senior pastors in Calvary Chapel, have zero experience at all in formal education. But they did have a calling, and because of that, they devoured God's word. So that's the first if you're a teacher, I'm not talking about leadership. I'm talking about just being a teacher. You have a supernatural love for God's word, and you have a supernatural desire for others to know it. It bothers you that people don't know the word of God as well as they should. You see the lack of the knowledge in the in the biblical, um, uh, you know, the, what's the word? Um, I forget, forget the term, but when you, literacy, biblical literacy that's there, and you and you just desire the body of Christ to have that. And you're willing to tell people things that they need to hear. You know, that's part of teaching God's word. Unfortunately, that's leaving. Because in churches today, it's all about man-centered principles to have a a successful life. And that's drawing big crowds in churches. How to have a successful life and everything. But this is what Paul said to uh, Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be a turn, and turned aside to fables. Once you turn this into a thing where it's, it's, ba- it's mainly for seekers to come into to be, get saved, you're not going to exhort, you're not going to rebuke, you're not going to to say the things that are confronted out of God's word because you don't want to offend the seekers. But any time that God's called a person to teach, whether a pastor or not, they have, to, they have to have a healthy fear of God that they're going to be held to a stricter judgment for teaching God's word. And that drives them to the books. That drives them to spend the hours upon hours it takes to be fully prepared to where you know what the word says and you can apply it appropriately to people's lives. So I know Paul is exhorting a pastor teacher, not all of us are pastor teachers, but any teacher has to be willing to do those things when teaching. That's why when people go through God's word verse by verse, they're they're not comfortable a lot of times when they first come into an environment like this because there's nowhere to hide. There's no feel-good 
principle that they can say, yeah, I want to do more of that. It's like saying, you know, if you have adult, uh, lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, did it just say that? Oh, I haven't read that in my 12 principles for success. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's success right there. That's to have a faithful heart. Well, you're not committing adultery against your wife by lusting after every woman that you see on TV or, or, or at your work or whatever. That's success as far as God's concerned. You need to hear that. You need to hear that you should not lust after women. But if we're only dealing with seekers now and with success principles, we're, and we're not covering all the Bible, we're going to miss all the things that we need to see. So when you're doing a personal study with somebody, you need to teach all of it. No matter if it's hard for them to hear, your love for them needs to be greater than your desire to have them like you. That's what true love is. I told you before, I feel like I have Wonder Woman's lasso around me up here. And I have to tell the truth. You know, every, her, her rope couldn't fit around me, but maybe she could get an extra size rope or something. I don't know, let it out. But, you know, but I have to tell all the truth, nothing but the truth. I have never said one thing from this pulpit in seven years that's been untruthful. Not one time. And, and I'm thankful for that because it's, it's God's judgment. And I'm going to put a little plaque up here. I haven't got to it yet that says, um, preach the word, be ready in season. It will be a long plaque. But um, <laughs> this, no, it's, this, it's not that one. It's the stricter judgment one that not many of you should be teachers because you'll endure stricter judgment. I'm going to put that up here for me to see every single week and for any guest speaker to see every single time that they teach because that's what we should be doing. So now, in, just as I begin to close, just because you can explain things adequately doesn't necessarily mean you have the gift of teaching. And, 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 it, and it, obviously you need to be able to explain things adequately, but, but there are people that don't have the gift of teaching. It, there's something about it that's beyond what I can explain. That was the hardest part about teaching a Calvary Chapel expository preaching class because all the books that I saw on homiletics and all those things, did, there wasn't a whole lot there that was... That was helpful in my view so how do you do that how do you how do you have a preaching class so i the the best way to know the real test to know related if you have the gift of teaching is if 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 god's people will listen to you and i don't mean just once (laughs) but if you're trying you're saying you're you're a teacher or you're you know someone that you know is called to teach the word of god but people won't listen to your teaching that may be a sign that you don't have that gift there's a there's a supernatural thing that i can't explain when you hear it you know it that it's true and legitimate it's it has a prophetic element to it where you're speaking for god on behalf of god in a sense and you're communicating his heart and and there's more even more to it than that i can't explain i know when i hear it and i'm not the ultimate judge either but i'm just saying i i don't want to pretend like i can just like diagram it out perfectly so it can just because it's it's supernatural and it's unexplainable i can't fully explain it how it happens and what it exactly you know if you have that but if you think you have it just try it and teach and 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 grow in it because you're you're gonna need some time to grow because there's a lot of things that have to develop in a person and none of us have ever arrived so there is a huge cost though because people will be upset with you if you teach God's word. And that's going to get worse and worse and worse. And I, and I think Calvary Chapel pastors, if the Lord doesn't come back first, will pay the price first. Because we can't just say, oh, we're not going to teach Romans chapter 1 on homosexuality. We're not, we can't, we're not going to teach that because, you know, 
there's a hate crime associated with it, we go through the whole Bible. So I'm going to, they say I can't teach Romans 1, I will be teaching Romans 1. I will be teaching every part of the Bible. That's what we do, and that's what we've always done. And if they want to arrest me for doing that, I'll be doing it in prison. But no one's going to stop me from teaching all of God's Word. But the ones that jump around all over the place, and they can easily say, you know, we just have never happened to come across Romans 1. Well, I wonder why. Because you don't want to be brought to, to, to prison, I guess. So all of these gifts are important. We all suffer as a result of all of us not walking in them. Disciples aren't made. That's the goal of all this, is for disciples to be, to, to, uh, to be made. And you're robbing the body of Christ if you're not using your gifts. You are robbing the body of Christ. And you will be held accountable for that. God, you will have to give an account on the, the judgment seat of Christ if you don't repent of that. It's a serious thing. He gave you these gifts and your place in the body of Christ for a reason. You'll have to give an account before him and explain why you buried your talent in the, in the dirt and didn't invest in what he entrusted you with. I'm not saying you're going to go to hell. That's, that's already been settled. But you don't want to face Jesus himself and explain that. Look to, right in his eyes and explain to him why you didn't use this gift to bless his body that he loves so much. I don't want you or me or anyone to have to go through that. It's a very serious thing. He has all the provision we need, all the grace, all the provision to step out and be used by him. And I'm excited to see how we're going to continue to grow in that. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these four gifts. And I pray for anyone that's just discovered that they have those gifts, that you would direct them and lead them and how to walk in them. Help us leaders, Lord, to know how to find places for, for them to express those gifts, Lord, if that's your will. And I just I pray, Lord, for this uh, continued series, Lord, as we continue looking at your gifts, we pray that you would continuously lead us, Lord, into further and further reality of, of what you've given us and what you entrusted to us and what we suffer if we don't walk in those things. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we do have all of it to turn to, and we thank you that you have led us to look at all of it. We love every jot and tittle. Jesus said you, um, you said that, that heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will never pass away, and that you exalt your word even above your own name. So we recognize that, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.